we're just naturally drawn into this lifestyle of overthinking and distraction and obsession with our technology that we're, you know, we're not even conscious of it. We're so unconsciously conditioned that all of this stuff is normal that we've forgotten to make space for ourselves. You know, we've forgotten that it's really important to, to have that quality time alone or that downtime, even, you know, with friends or with nature. Those timeouts are so rejuvenating to our body and our mind and our spirit. It's just essential to have that if we're going to be able to hear our intuition. You're listening to Find the Good News, Episode 101, The Firefly Entanglement, a Beacon Series conversation featuring Kim Chesney, author of Radical Intuition, a revolutionary guide to using your inner power by New World Library. Find the Good News is produced by Parker Brand Creative Services, a branding agency that thinks sideways, pushes forward, and gets your brand up. See what else we do at parkerbrandup.com. Have you ever had a feeling, a hunch, or an inner knowing that seemed to guide you through a series of right actions? Maybe it was a feeling about a space, a place, or a person, or a particular circumstance. If you followed the promptings of that feeling, did you find the end result to be better than what you'd originally assumed? Kim Chesney, my guest on Find the Good News and author of the new book, Radical Intuition, A Revolutionary Guide to Using Your Inner Power, has made accessing and utilizing this inner knowing her life's work. I sincerely love the matter-of-fact way Kim approaches the topic of personal intuition, bringing it outside the sphere of woo and down to a practical, approachable level. She teaches us how to put intuition to work in our ordinary lives, which ironically reveals the extraordinary connection that we have with the people, experiences, and world around us. We live in wild times, filled with a lot of uncertainty, but Kim encourages us to lean on our inner knowing, an underutilized natural sense that helps us perfectly steer the ships of our lives as we navigate potentially choppy waters. With so much angst, anxiety, and discord around us, it is easy to feel like a victim. Kim Chesney reveals that we have more help built into us than we realize, and the uncanny thing is that it's been there all along. I sincerely enjoyed my visit with Kim, and my intuition tells me you'll leave this talk with some new insights, just like I did. Now, it's time to shake off some of the structure, lay down the stress of layered do's and do nots, prepare to go on a hunt for the still, small voice inside you, then tune your attention to this good news beacon and press play on a little good news. Wake up this morning, dreaming up the story I can hear, the way it's going, cause you're laughing in your sleep, on the path to your deliverance and a holy ball of light. Old news, bad news, fake news. Sometimes you want to shut those signals down and seek a better source. With my Find the Good News Beacon series, I tune into good people doing good works wherever I can find them. I scan across the full spectrum of life, seeking out human beings that have turned their dials towards helping others, aligning their time, resources, and talents with goodness, justice, mercy, and love. In each episode, I sync up with the hearts and minds of my extraordinary guests. We have dynamic conversations that invigorate the mind long after our transmission has ended. I discover the critical life experiences that shape them, the perspectives that drive them, and the fundamental beliefs that have anchored them to a path of goodness. There's a lot of background noise in the world. 
My name is Oren Parker, and I'm cutting through the static to find the good. like going into interviews like uh right after something else because i feel like i have to like sort of get my mind quickly realigned and i'd rather be in the right state of mind you know yeah absolutely so it all worked out the universe lined it up that's for right <laughs> that's, that's right and i love your space and it's so cool it oh gosh i forget that you can awesome. see it's crazy yeah, back there <laughs> it looks so cool. yeah it's a lot of it's stuff a in a little space i'd show you the whole thing i'd move the camera around there's all kinds of stuff in here you never know there's toys and uh yeah spiritual things and just <laughs> all over this is whatever it's just my it's my space to uh access my intuition yeah i love it <laughs> there you go and express your creativity and all yeah. that stuff right yeah exactly Perfect. look i don't have a hard opening for my show i don't do okay. like some like you know uh by the book way i usually we just start talking i I don't even like to use the word interview. I consider it just a visit. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I mean meeting someone okay. new. And uh, the show is all about promoting good works. You know, people that are doing things to retune the dials and help other people retune the dials to turning their passions and skills into service to other people. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. So. Hooking I'm up all with, about that. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I tell you, I, I I'm gonna have to read your other book that I saw that you have out too. But this new book was really, really good. I, oh, uh, yeah, I just actually I just finished it a few days ago, and I thought, gosh, I could talk. I kept wanting to stop in the book, and there's times, I guess, when you're reading a book like that, where, you know, in the past, you just for me, it was just highlighting and underlining, you know, and making notes and trying to apply whatever you're learning. But now I get to actually talk to <laughs> yeah, the people generating right. these these good works like you. Yeah. So if you don't mind, uh, mm-hmm. could you give my audience just a a a minor full scope uh, peek into who I'm talking to today? Oh, so you want to learn a little bit about me and uh, how I came to write a book called Radical Intuition, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, it's really cool uh, because I have sort of a non-traditional journey to something like you would expect with intuition because I come from the technology background and uh-huh. I've worked for, yeah, 20 years in tech. Not your usual uh, bedfellow for an intuition book, but I think that's part of what makes it so radical is this idea that intuition it's not just something for our personal development or spiritual growth. I mean, very much is that. It's very deeply tied into that. But it's also something that's a very normal part of our cognitive function that helps us in our daily lives, helps us to guide us, to help us f- figure out what we're made for and to ho- all these callings that we need to follow in our life. So it really speaks to us in so many levels of our being. And you know, radical intuition is just sort of this opportunity for me to put together all the dimensions of intuition and kind of normalize it. Because, you know, it's, it is, it still has been on the fringe, you know, for, for many years, people, some people still look at it and I say intuition and they're like, Hmm, you know, Oh, you talk to spirits or, um, right. you know, or, you know what I mean? Or it's just something women have and men don't have it. And right. you know, there's all this, this conception. So my mission was really to demystify all that and help everyone understand that intuition is something we all have. I love that. And you actually touched on a few things that I wanted to talk about today. And one of them, you just do- you dove right in there, demystifying mm-hmm. uh, intuition, because I, I, I have, for the last couple of decades, have sort of come to accept 
or almost like throw a word away. And that word is supernatural. I, I think the word supernatural has almost caused us to believe that there's supernatural things. And then there's natural things and supernatural things are sort of over here in the woo woo category. Right. And then natural things are science things that we can touch and feel and taste. And we know, and we've studied. And in my own experience, having come to sort of settle into the supernatural realities is that they actually are just natural realities. We just don't accept that we, because we can't readily put an instrument on it and tell you what it's made of. Exactly. That, that <laughs> oh, exactly. I mean, you're, you, this is the, the, this is the song I sing every day when I'm talking to people because you know, there really is nothing supernatural. It's all natural. Uh, and it's just the supernatural quote unquote stuff that, that we deal with are just real, just like you said, stuff we don't understand yet. And now it's, it's a really exciting time right now. What's happening over the, over the last recent decades, because the supernatural and the, and the natural are really starting to merge into one mm. specifically in science. When you get into quantum physics, and quantum yeah. realities, right? Because yeah. all those things that were supposed to be impossible are now scientists, you know, smart people with big degrees, PhDs and, and doctorates, and they, they are out there telling you that this stuff is actually possible. It's real. It's not woo, right? So right. that's we're an exciting threshold right now of all that. You yeah, there you go. You you here this is uh synchronistic, okay? Because you you brought up another thing that I thought was uh fascinating and you were talking about you just mentioned quantum physics and i was really interested in the just the word entanglement because it's a word mm -hmm. that's in my lexicon and i find myself using it and i want I have a question about intuition and I, I and i didn't really i wasn't sure if that was in the book necessarily but i would really love to hear what you think about this mm -hmm. do you believe or feel or have had you had an experience with having higher frequencies of intuitive experiences in specific places, like visiting a city, let's say, and then it seems like when you go there, you get it, you're entangled with the place. Like there's something going on that you just don't really know how to put your finger on, but it keeps drawing you back. And then when you get there, uh, intuition increases, synchronicities increase. But then when you leave there, it's not that they go away entirely, but the frequency of these things tends to maybe uh, flatten out or decrease to some degree. Does that sound like oh. something you have ever been through? <laughs> I love this question. No one has ever asked me that before, and I love it because – uh, uh, the answer is yes on so many levels. Okay. Um, whether it's, I mean, different places, first of all, have different, as we know, different vibrational frequencies, different cities, the, the histories of cities, the things that have happened in different areas all around the world carry with it different vibrational frequencies that we can interact with intuitively in different ways. Um, so for instance, you know, you, even if you're visiting like some of the old sacred sites like stone tens places like that you know you can intuitively connect to you know things that have happened there and the energy and you can really sense this um but even beyond that you know it, what really resonated with me while i heard you speaking and describing and i'm feeling like you probably have had an an experience like this that you're drawing off of because it, it reminded me a lot of 
how it was the first time that I went to Los Angeles, which is strange. Mm. But um, I, all my life, I never really felt like I needed to go to Los Angeles. It was just when I was younger, I was like, ah, you know, I've, you know, I'm from the East. So, you know, when you, you travel places, it was just never some place that was on my list. And then I went there <laughs> and hmm. something magical happened. I don't know what it was, but it was like, I just felt so at home. I felt I knew my way around there. Ah. Like I could, like, and you know, Los Angeles is a confusing city. And, and I was, had only been there for two days. And I think we were up um, like north of Hollywood and our GPS died. And I had to figure out how to get all the way back down to Santa Monica and all over to our hotel. And I like did it like when I didn't know my way around, I just went back. I knew all the turns to take to get there. And the back way is not just the easy way down. And, and it amazed me at how I had I had this intuitive connection with this place. And and, you know, my understanding of that, it, you know, and there's a lot of different things that can be going on there. I mean, it can be anything from just simply a vibrational alignment to the energy that's there, the people that's there, the things that are happening there to like things. If you want to talk about things like past lives or, or the collective unconscious in ways that we actually know things like how do you know your way around a place you've never been? You know, it's really yeah. exciting. That's interesting. OK, so that that you're right. I definitely have had it have a place like that and mm-hmm. um it's interesting because it's not just entanglements with the place but almost like entanglements with people and i always mm-hmm. wondered about that i said you know it's it's strange it's like a I, i've always um i scratch at it right mm-hmm. i mean i'm i'm curious about it because i'm going okay isn't it a cosmic entanglement uh just like you were talking about the particles in your book you know where mm-hmm. they respond to each other across great distances in in the cosmos and they have a relationship to, with each other, even uh, across these great vast distances. And it just makes you wonder, or makes me wonder, mm-hmm. if there are just entanglements that we just can't perceive that are um, creating, uh, that, that, that I, I would say, oh, it's my intuition, right? And I liked mm-hmm. it in the book, too. I mean, I'm jumping all over the place. but No, no, that's good. In your book, you, I, I thought it was really interesting because it kind of came at me sideways because it ended up being a book about a lot more than intuition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was really fascinating because I, I didn't really know what to expect. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, wait, now she's getting some really awesome crossover territories here where the word intuition is a word, but you can almost take the word off of it because it has a whole lot more meaning to it. It's it's connective tissue to other things. I love that. Yeah. And so I guess I, I kind of have that feeling with a place, just like you were saying, it's like, I go there when I, when I go to this place, I, I, I choose purposely to not use my vehicle Mm-hmm. Because I I get out of my car, I get my feet on the ground, and I'm like, okay, I'm in flow or something. Mm-hmm. Like you're in something flow. Yeah. shifts here. I'm mm-hmm. I, I, every time I meet people there, even if I've never met them before, I'm like, I feel like something in the universe like opens up and says, you're mm-hmm. open to encounter when you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, little things have meaning that maybe you're missing and you're out, outside this uh, bubble of this space. Mm-hmm. I always mm-hmm. hope that I can carry that with me when I leave there. I try, mm-hmm. but it is more, more difficult out in the quote world. 
mm-hmm. the noisy world. Yep. You talk a lot about that in your uh, <laughs> <Yes>. in your book. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's and it is true. I mean, and that it, sometimes even if you look back, or if you're like me and you've lived a lot of different places in your life, you can look back over your experiences in different places and realize. And if you live in one of those heavier places where there is all that noise and you don't feel in that flow, life doesn't feel so much in its flow there too, right? So it yeah. is really important where we live and where we choose to to have our experience in life. Because yeah, I love the idea of calling it entanglement and feeling these entanglements with it places where, um, you know, our soul can kind of open up. Yeah, right. And and that's one of the things, too, that I loved about your book. You talked about using, uh, or whether you didn't talk about it, maybe I just kind of felt that. You, you're, the language you used was very, um, it wasn't charged, so to speak. It seemed like you were kind of careful to keep it with a, a negative pH balance so that people <laughs> for, could come from, or you know what I mean? Like, yes. could come from lots of different places and get something out of it. Yeah, that was intentional, right? I, I okay. wanted to be inclusive to yeah. to everyone. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You you talked about something right at the beginning that I was really fascinated by because I kind of I don't come from the tech sector, but I my day job is sort of. Uh, the creative industry. I work in graphic oh. design and right. you know branding and copywriting and things like that, video production. And so, I do. F- once people started listening to this show, uh, they were surprised because in this show, I, I made a rule for myself that I don't hide anything. I always say I'm going to follow my sword if I have to, you know, because that's where the magic happens. That's where I want people to enter this this space with these conversations. Um, and if I'm holding and hiding things, then it's not real. So my, some of the people that know the identity of, um, graphic design advertising guy, when they enter this show, they're like, Oh, of course it's a communication show. But then they get in here and they're like, Whoa, hold on a second. (laughs) What's going on here? This isn't exactly what I expected. And so when you were saying you came from the tech sector, I thought that was really interesting because you said you're seeing this lean towards uh, in using intuitive abilities more in that sector now. Yeah, and it's so funny that you just brought this all up because my pathway into tech was through design and graphic design. Oh, and wow, all. okay, so cool. I, yeah, so I worked at ad agencies and oh, I did right graphic on. So we have a, we have similar entanglement. <laughs> we we're entangled with our graphic design background. Um, so that was sort of my pathway into tech because I started to work at the Technology Council right in, on, okay. at, in Pittsburgh in that capacity. And then I kind of moved into a different space there and we started opening up to supporting businesses and using this sort of intuition, right, as this sort of grounding force for innovation and creativity and all this stuff that entrepreneurs and startups and even like really big tech companies are using. So, so, but that's so wonderful though, because one of the things that, you know, very early on when I was making this transition and I had met someone um, who told me, you know, the MFA is going to be the new MBA. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. You know, all these artists were coming together and be like, you know what? People are really going to start looking more and more to creatives and, and, and designers to really impact the future because, you know, we're getting to this point of in the information society that we're reaching the singularity. And then we realize there's mm. so much more than data out there that we need to focus on. Right. So and I've watched this shift over the last 10 years as, you know, people who used to be like, oh, you know, just a designer become like, oh my God, a designer. We really need the input of this visionary design to to help make this product something spectacular. Like Apple and Steve Jobs were sort of like, it's like the poster company for for that kind of process. Huge intuition advocate, you know, Steve Jobs. So 
revering this process of intuition and design um, as really the leading force in technology is all intuition. You know, it's all run by intuition. So, and people don't realize it. And I think that's, that's the thing about this word intuition that I'm really trying to put out there is everybody, you know, talks about intuition and sometimes they don't even realize that's what they're talking about. They don't even Mm. understand you know, when we're talking about in- innovation, we're talking about intuition. When we're talking about visionary leadership, we're talking about intuition. That's what's behind it all. You know, you can't be a great leader unless you have empathy, unless you can see ahead beyond what everybody else is seeing, right? So yeah. it's all of that intuitive uh, force within people that's giving us this secret weapon and this leg up to everyday life. Yeah, that's beautiful. Everything you just said right there, it got me thinking when I was listening to your book, uh, I was like, okay, there's there's something here because it's almost like intuition is, I don't know, like a spinal cord of some kind. And all these other things are informing it because see, like that's something I think maybe a lot of people, and I know me in the early days, at least a couple of decades ago, I would say, Oh, is that my imagination? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you've seen the, the Sherlock Holmes TV show with Benedict Cumberbatch, right? Mm -hmm, Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, to someone who's looking at him, we have this view of him from in the show and we get to see all the connections he's making, but to someone else, he might as well be a wizard, you know, because he's like making these deductions and they're like, Oh, you must be psychic or you must have some special ability, ESP, whatever. And I, I did, I did have that thought many years ago. I said, you know, is intuition just the ability to take lots of data at once and make an informed assessment very quickly. And so I did, I had sort of that, that feeling like, well, maybe there is no intuition. Maybe it's just heightened perception. But then as the years went by, I let that go because that was just me trying to take something I didn't understand and sort of put it into a container that I did. And reading your book, I was like, Oh, it's actually the other way around you know, my empathy is informing my intuition. My intellect is informing my intuition. The intuition is sort of the baseline. Is that fair to say that that way? Yeah. And I mean, and it really gets down to semantics. If we want to talk about, you know, what information is, and are we talking about Mm. information from the five senses in the world around us? Or are we talking about information from that sort of cloud of quote unquote data that contains all the information and programming of our universe. You know, even you talk about the world being a simulation or any kind of like Maya and illusion, whatever's running this reality here, you know, the reality generators here, there's a code, there's data out there. And our intuition is the part of us that can access that, right? Our minds can only get so far, but our intuition, it, it can pull down all that data. So in some ways, it is giving us that data really quickly, but it's giving us this, it's this data that's not accessible to our linear thinking mind. See, I love this. I love, you know, that was, yeah, the, the changing of the word, saying something like data, mm-hmm. and putting it into a framework that we can understand. It's like synchronicity. You know, you mm-hmm. talked about that a lot. And that's something that, as as you talk about in your book, that once you sort of begin flexing this muscle, those things start to happen too. And, you know, you do have the, there's all kinds of, uh, Lex, um, 
cosmologies you can frame that for through, right? You can go, mm-hmm. okay, these events are happening, these intuitions are occurring, and whatever cosmology you're in, whether you're in a Christian cosmology, a Buddha, a Tibetan Buddhist cosmology, a Taoist, what whatever it is, you can say, oh, well, that means X, Y, Z, because through that cosmology and using their equations, that's what those things must mean. Exactly. You know, in a Christian cosmology, it might be, oh, well, you were informed by the Holy Spirit. That's the exactly. Holy Spirit whispering in your ear, nudging yeah. you. And, and, you know, and sometimes I think the language gets in the way almost. It does. Yeah. Yeah, because we have so many associations, you know, that we have all this conditioning. And that's that's also something, you know, I talk about a lot with radical intuition is really getting past all of this conditioning. Yeah. Uh, You know, we've been conditioned about who we are. We've been conditioned about how we should live our life. We've been conditioned to so much that we don't even realize. And Mm. part of that conditioning is, you know, relates to our intuition and how we've been conditioned to think that we don't have it for one thing, or that it's not real or it's scary or it can't be trusted. All those things we've been conditioned to think um, based on, you know, years and years and years of, either misunderstanding or, you know, using these different words and thinking that that's just what intuition is. You know, I, you know, I love that people call intuition the Holy Spirit. You know, I've talked to a lot of, of Christians and, and that it really is a good connection, you know, and that's, that, that's one way of looking at it, but there's still all these other dimensions to it, right? Yeah, that right, we're talking right. About. So it opens up a lot more. Yeah. I think using the word data makes it very understandable to people. You know, like even when um, we someone passes away, you know, if you think about who they are or their existence just in general as data. Mm-hmm. And I know that may seem cold to a lot of people, but I've recently had had cause to think of something that way. And I was like, you know, the data that was generated through their mind, their experiences, their life within the bubble of time, that data, um, just cause the, the body itself has dissolved that data still sort of exists in this cloud, as you say. And so can I access that data? You know, like I, I guess yeah. is the word. I mean, I guess yeah. that's the way to say it in that language. And I was like, that's an interesting way to think of it is like, I would like to. And so mm-hmm. why wouldn't I want to attempt that? You know, I mean, it's just a part of us that we don't. I always wonder. <laughs> it is interesting. I guess it's just the evolution of the human being. You know, we we just keep learning how to do new things. It makes every bit of sense to me that we would continue to do that, that we're not at some stopgap right here yes. where we're done, you know? Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. This isn't where it ends. Like I always talk about this book and I'm like, this book is just the beginning. This is just talking about, you know, we're at the threshold of what intuition can start to do. Right. Because we think, Oh, we've done all these great things. Look at what humanity has accomplished. We're so smart. We have done all these really super smart things that we've never done before. Um, but now enter intuition, right. And this rebalancing that's starting to happen where intuition's having more of a voice in the world and complementing our really smart intellect, right. Cause they need to work together. The idea is we've only been like using half our brains. Look at what we've done with half our brains imagine what we can do when we start using our whole brains and we have this this intuitive side working together with our brilliant minds and all of the things we've accomplished that way so so it's really just the beginning of this new era where uh, so much is possible and this evolution is continuing it, this is part of our evolution and growth as human beings 
One thing that I I, I liked in your book, and I kind of lingered on it, let my mind kind of linger on it for a while, was uh, talking about the healer, the sage, Mm. uh, the visionary, and the mystic. I I thought that was an interesting, four interesting silos to kind of look at intuition through. Could you Mm -hmm. talk about that just a little bit? You probably get asked that all the time. (laughs) No, no, that's no, I love to. Um, And I like the the term silos. I like the way that you've broken that down because, um, you know, some I'm tempted to call the four types of intuition sometimes, but they're not really types of intuition because there's just one intuition. Um, But there are four pathways that our intuition uses to speak to us. And so you can kind of understand it and sort of that siloed archetypal um, event for each type of intuition. So, you know, the mystic, you know, it sort of represents this really spiritual side of intuition that we kind of were talking about with the Holy Spirit and your, you know, these experiences where we can connect to the divine or sacred or, you know, whatever universal source word that you use to, you know, refer to that. Because like I said, it applies to everybody. It's fully inclusive to all philosophies and religions. Um, And then, you know, you have this archetype of the sage, and that's more of the intuition of the mind, and that helps you to make decisions and choices and is your quote-unquote inner guidance system, you know? So when you're driving to work and you're trying to decide which way to go to work and your intuition is saying, go a different way today, and even though you don't know there's a a traffic jam up ahead, your intuition knows that because your intuition knows everything. Every single thing, everything, your intuition knows it. So that's what's so interesting about it. And when we allow that to inform us, we can make better, faster, smarter decisions. Um, and then we have the visionary archetype, and that really focuses on the sort of creative intuition, the intuition of the heart, where we're moved and we have passions and we want to go out and do things to change the world and make our lives better and help other people. So it's really tied in with our callings and our passions in life. And then uh, the healer is um, the first archetype I usually deal with is the healer, and that's the healer of the body. So, so that that's the archetype of the body. So that's really our foundation and how our body speaks to us. And most people don't realize that our bodies really speak to us intuitively all the time. You know, everything from, you know, if we have aches and pains to intuitively deciding what to eat. We, sometimes we sort of know what our body wants, or if we're you know getting run down, our body's trying to tell us to slow down, be present, take a little more time. So, so. So, you know, we tune into these different archetypes and all of us have a little bit of each one of them into us, in, in us, though some might be stronger than others. When we tune into those, we can start to really become conscious of the different ways that our intuition is talking to us every day. Yeah, I loved those because I, I tend to like things that give me, I, I guess I used the word cosmology earlier, but in this situation, I'd say maybe more like a lens. Um, mm-hmm. And four things are great because I love using fours for cardinal directions, um, exactly. a, a wheel. And I loved that because I was like, you know, this is sort of a a way to... Um, Point your intuition at something in a specific way, you know, in, in mm-hmm. using those four, like, as you said, archetypes, you know, you can go, okay, how does, how do I feel about this? How does this engage these particular layers? And it gives you a, a way to sort of walk in a circle through them uh, yes. and maybe even help it to me that something like that would help you enhance your ability to mm-hmm. identify your intuition, you know, because you, you talk about that. It's almost in the, the quiet spaces between the shower or, yes. you know, something like that. And that's hard to catch sometimes. I, I wrote this down when I was reading your book and I was like, yeah, it's like fireflies. I mean, when by the time you've seen a firefly, 
and you want to turn and tell your friend, did you see that firefly? It's gone, you know, and it's moved across your yard or maybe it's another one. And so it is a lot like that in, until I guess you get used to it. Right. I mean, it's a little bit like, wait, what was that? <laughs> yes, exactly. Wait, did that just happen? Wait, was that real? Right. So it's, right. it's like an instantaneous, right. And it's a, a flash, a flash of insight and it comes to you. And that's why it, what's great about intuition. It's so easy to receive it when you get it. It's just boom. You know, you don't have to work for it like we have to when we're like, you know, developing our smarts. We got to go to school and we got to like train our brains. But once we figure out what our intuition is and really tune into it, it's so easy to just receive it because that's all we need to do. So, yeah, yeah, that's a tough thing to do, though. I mean, the the world is noisy. You talked a lot about that, getting out of that noise. Um and with so much noise, it is hard to find it more and more, I think, uh, that quiet time, whether it's in nature or just away from the pings and dings and whistles and pops of everything that's just going on. You know, I mean, especially now, I mean, your book came out on November 3rd. So it's like, <laughs> you know, if you're keeping your finger on the pulse of what's going on in your country, I mean, it's like there's just always some stuff to, to draw you out of that space that you need. Right. And I mean, that's why this message and a lot of the stuff that's happening right now with mindfulness movement is such an important counterpoint to popular culture and our life every day, because we're just naturally drawn into this lifestyle of overthinking and distraction and obsession with our technology that we're, you know, we're not even conscious of it. We are so unconsciously conditioned that, that all of this stuff is normal that we've forgotten to make space for ourselves. You know, we've forgotten that it's really important to, you know, to have that quality time alone or that downtime, even, you know, with friends or with nature, those timeouts are so rejuvenating uh, to our body and our mind and our spirit and essential for our intuition. It's just essential to have that if we're going to be able to hear our intuition. So I have to ask this question because, I mean, I, if it gets at, if this question gets asked of me, I can answer it at least to some degree. And I'm always curious to hear it from other people. I mean, there has to be sort of like a uh, event horizon for you, right? Where life was one way and then something happens and it begins to change because, I mean, you've been in this world for, you know, at least what, 20 plus years or a couple of decades or more. Mm -hmm. uh, where does that begin? I mean, where does, where does that start? Do you mean like in my own personal journey? Yeah, or, yeah, in your journey, yeah. like into this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that there was a big shift for me, the big, the big shift. And I think you're absolutely right. I think there are moments in everyone's life where you have those sort of either awakenings or epiphanies that make you realize that life is more than what you thought it was, right? And I think those, whatever it is that happens, whatever, whatever context it comes to you in, there's these defining moments where life's not the same again. And for me, it really happened um, in my early 20s when I sort of had this intuitive awakening. A lot of different things con conspired in my life at that moment to make this shift for me. But it culminated in this one moment when I woke up after I had had some really, really profound experiences with my intuition and I woke up in this different state and I, it's the only way I can explain it. And, you know, it reminds me a lot and this happened like so long ago, but when I picked up the power of now about 10 years ago, it the things that Eckhart Tolle talked about reminded me about what had happened to me ah. at, and like 10 years earlier too. And, and I realized that I was in the state of, 
just presence and happiness. And I couldn't explain it. Like everything around just fit. And, and I didn't want to do anything. That, that was the crazy thing. I was always doing stuff. You know, I was running around, artists doing things, making stuff. And suddenly I just wanted to be still. Mm. I, just wanted to, I just wanted to sit and experience. And the children that were playing outside in the park that used to irritate me didn't irritate me. I was like, oh, the children. I just remember yeah. that. And I was in this state. And, it, and it, it lasted a few days and gradually started to wear off. And I could feel it wearing off. And I could feel it as coming back to this, like, everydayness. But I realized that that place was this place of pure connectedness to life, whether you call it enlightenment or whether you call it like bliss, whatever, you know, words different people have had for that experience. Suddenly, you know how it feels to be fully connected with life. And most of the time, we're not. Most of the time, we're, we're somewhere else. We're unconscious. We're running around chasing the things in the world that, that don't really matter. And once you've experienced that, once you've had a moment, of, and, and for everybody, it's different. Have that moment of your own where you realize what it feels like to be truly connected to true life. Then you start saying, okay, now I want to live like that more often. I want to be in that space. That's what I want my life to feel like. And and after that, everything changes. Yeah. Everything changes. That's beautiful. I loved. I'm glad. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. I, mm-hmm. I got to ask you: Did did time feel different for you whenever you were in that state? It almost felt to me. It almost felt timeless. Timeless. You know, yeah. Right. Like. And one of the things that struck me is I remember um, just sitting in the car with a friend of mine and he was just running into the store to get stuff. And typically, like, I would be like really impatient. I'd be like, hurry up. I got stuff to do. Blah, blah, blah. And I just remember sitting there and just being just sitting in a car in a parking lot and having such joy within me and such presence within me. I just kept thinking to myself, I hope he doesn't come back soon. I just want to be alone. Mm. I just be here in this moment, right? Because all the distress, I didn't want those things. I didn't, nothing against the person, but I didn't, I didn't want to be out there in the world. I just wanted to be in, in that moment with myself. And there was just some magic there that I had connected with. And it was so unlike me to want to be in that space. So it felt like time was just something that time and presence and space kind of came together in this sort of stillness that was ubiquitous. Yeah. It's almost like, I mean, I I hear what you're saying. I, I understand this. It's, it's like, well, because you, the measuring sort of just stops. And mm-hmm. once we stop the measuring, uh, you enter into that timeless, as you described it so beautifully, that timeless space. And that just allows doors inside of us to open. Maybe doors that were there, we just weren't, like, as you said, not paying attention. You know? Yeah. And, and you know, beyond that, my intuition after that kicked into high gear. I wow. mean. I mean, crazy, like crazy stuff like happened at that point, you know, or really like metaphysical things started to happen. And that's when I realized that there are these different layers to our consciousness. And part of this whole process, I really think is raising your vibration. And you hear people say, talk about that. And, you know, it can sound a little cheesy sometimes, raise your vibe. But, but another thing I noticed really on, really early on when I was going through all this, when I would have these really profound intuitive experiences, I noticed they would always happen to me on times when I had really good days Mm. and I was happy and I was in a good mood and it started to put things together. And I started to realize, wow, it's a lot easier for me to connect with my intuition when I'm feeling good 
when I'm uplifted, when mm. my spirits are raised, right? So all those little terms that we hear, there's something behind that. Because when we're in that space, we are able to connect to that higher frequency of information that our unconscious mind, our overthinking mind, all this low energy ego mind just can't reach it. They just can't intersect because they're not made of the same energy, right? I love this. Yes. Love it. You know, one of the pictures that I've kind of felt over the years, and and I feel like it's kind of applicable uh, to your book and what you're talking about is is the idea of giving a presentation, which I'm sure you give plenty of presentations, <laughs> and I've yeah. given a few. And one of the things I notice, like a, anybody who gives a presentation, when you look out at a large group of people, there's um, initially everyone's the same, right? They're all there. You've got the same information. You're going to give the same information to everyone. But as you begin to do the presentation, there's those 20, 10, five people in there that you start to see they're real. You can tell they're engaging yes. with you with their eyes and they're getting more out of what you're saying. And then you look around and other people are fiddling with their phones, look at their watch. Some of them are sleeping, those four or five ask you questions and they're really engaging. And you almost feel like you want to talk to them more. And right. I, in a way that sounds like that's a lot like what intuition or spirit or whatever, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, yeah, I'm giving you all the same signal, but like five of you are paying attention. <laughs> and the more you pay attention, the more you get. That is, that is a great analogy. That is such a great analogy. That's exactly how it is, you know? And then, and you feed your intuition with that attention. And then soon it becomes this relationship. Because even as a speaker, you know, you're like, oh, I'm really engaged with these people who are engaging, who are looking at me and really want more from this, and vice versa. So it's a relationship and it comes alive with attention. It's interesting is uh, you had you'd brought up St. Teresa of Avila in your book and mm. Interior Castles as I'm assuming like the work that you're probably referring yes. to because yes. what, what a wonderful work. And mm -hmm. uh, another saint that I was thinking of when I was reading your book was uh, the St. Teresa of Lisieux because she had said in one of her I have a little prayer book of hers and she said one of her prayers was give me all the ignored graces. And I, I loved that because I thought on the same thing in the same way you're talking about intuition. I was like, OK, that's like there's a signal going out mm -hmm. and a lot of people are ignoring it. I'll mm -hmm. take that signal if they mm -hmm. don't want it. And mm -hmm. I was like, OK, I can understand that. So it's like graces aren't diminished. Mm -hmm. Intuition isn't diminished. The inner the information of let's call it the universe for lack of a better word, isn't diminished because I'm not because I'm disregarding it. If right. I don't want it, it's still out there. Yes. And someone else, it's yes. there for them, right? It's not like exactly. I'm special or you're not or whatever. It's like right. you're just ignoring it. Right. <laughs> it's all right. it is. And it's like you, it's even when you look back in history with people who I think there's stories of different scientific discoveries that happen at the same time on different sides of the planet. And they're like, how could these people have ever done this? And did they ever talk to each other? It's because that information's out there, that evolutionary process, that energy's happening. And two people chose to pick up on it. And a lot of people probably ignored it, right? And it's those people that pull it down. And it's happening everywhere, ubiquitously, right? It doesn't have to be just in one person, one special person's mind, right? Right. Right. Yeah, I think that's what I love about a work like your book is that you, you are making a real, real hefty effort to uh, take that sort of um, 
the fluffiness off of it to where it seems like it's something witchy or mm-hmm. you know that you have to be a shaman or you have to <laughs> yeah. go off on a retreat you don't i mean i love that right. it was very much clear in your book that it's just look you you too you know and you too and you too <laughs> yeah. everybody is for everybody you know anyone you don't have to be special absolutely and you know it's like you don't need crystal balls and tarot cards to right, use your right. i mean you can that's great i don't have any problem with that but you don't need it you know in fact like you don't want to have to rely on any tools you want your intuition just to be like bam 24 7 part of you right so yeah. opening up and developing it is just so important yeah so how have you seen people's lives change i mean you've had to have had direct i mean obviously probably thousands of stories or if not more mm-hmm. where you you've seen people's lives change through the work you're doing yeah well i think under the underlying transformation that i see most often is really that reconnection with people living their truth and Mm. that's a phrase that we hear a lot and we don't always know what that means but in terms of intuition it um this process of living your truth is so important because intuition is really what connects you with your true highest voice and understanding of who you are at the core, right? I always say, do you know who you are? Do you know what you're made for? Well, your intuition does, even if we don't, even Mm. if we're not conscious of it, because, you know, this life's confusing and we get a lot of outside pressure from the world and our parents and everybody, you know, defining us and putting us in boxes and telling us what's best for us. Our intuition is the cure for sorting out all of those different voices. And it's the one true voice inside us that aligns us with our real path and our real purpose. So, you know, my work at, you know, in Intuition Lab, the school that I run for intuition, you know, working with cohorts of students throughout the years has really been, the core of it has really been con- reconnecting people with that inner truth and that core and that direction. And, and then that manifests in so many ways, you know, whether it's just, you know, getting out of a relationship that's stifling and that has, has been keeping people from evolving and growing or, or, or getting a new career, taking a chance, leaving that nine to five, going out, l- believing in yourself, trying something new. You know, there's, there's so many practical ways that intuition can help people to build confidence in their true path and purpose and, and get out of the ruts right? And get back on track and aligned with their growth and evolution. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it kind of ties into something else I was curious about, because you mentioned this a a couple of times in the book about getting out of uh, our comfort zone. And I was, and then you talked about the, about being fearful as fear is a sign, is a sure sign that that's not your intuition. And at first I was trying, I pondered that for a little bit. And then when you started talking about getting out of your comfort zone, I was like, ah, okay, that, that was a way for me to understand it a little better because I thought, well, fear, and then tell me again, I'm just, this is your thoughts I had, but yeah, yeah, fear yeah. is something that sometimes is healthy in the sense that it keeps you safe like from danger like um driving through bad weather i'm fearful because i'm i mean i could you know there's there's that's a healthy fear but that Mm -hmm. wasn't what you were talking about Right. right at all you're talking about something different a different type of fear Right. So, yeah, absolutely. And because, yeah, there's, you know, there's there's a really good book on intuition out there. And it's, it's called something, I forget what it's called, but it's like the gift of fear or something like that. And it's really all about intuition. And, you know, and I thought to myself, wow, I said, that's really interesting because, you know, really fear, if we're talking about like fear at the core of our ego fear 
is something that's diametrically opposed to intuition. Because when we trust our intuition and we're, and we're aligned with their intuition, then we're walking from a place of trust and not fear. But that being said, this idea of sort of discernment, a discerned fear, mm. is very healthy, right? Like so, so we want we don't want to just be reckless. We don't want to go out there and like do all these crazy things that are going to hurt us. Right. So, so I think that that kind of fear that you're talking about falls more in line with, you know, what I talk about in the book of, of discernment and really that sort of connection, that intuitive and intellectual connection within us where we realize that this is probably not a a good path for our safety. You know, this is might be a time I'm not going to go do this because I might get hurt or this person might hurt me. Right. So I think there is a very healthy, aspect of that we just can't get caught up in those sort of ego fears right where yeah. it's like you know what i mean where it's uh, no, coming totally. from a place of personal yeah that's a i'm glad you said that because i a, a couple of years ago i started noticing myself avoiding um a certain person and everyone loved this person and i was like why am i avoiding this person i mean i and I, w- I would say people would say oh you have good intuition so sometimes mm-hmm. i do try to trust my intuition Mm-hmm. But I had to stop for and analyze this particular one because I was telling myself, oh, that your intuition's telling you that this person is somebody to avoid. And so I was. Mm-hmm. But the more I began to dissect it, what I'd realized was this person just had a lot of markers that mm-hmm. resembled somebody that had hurt me in the past. Ah. And so then I come to find out this person, I allowed myself to give it another go. And I went, oh, actually, that was just my fear, my old wrong wrong right. assumptions built uh, because, some, because something bad had happened, yeah. old trauma. Can- Conditioning, yeah, right? Conditioning, yeah, right. Conditioning, You're so, associating. Yeah. So well, let me ask you, when you think back on your very first impression of that person, do you remember the very first impression you had of them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can just sum it up in a word, arrogant. Mm. And arrogance mm-hmm. is a marker for me. And it just comes from an old place. And I know it's an old mm-hmm. like childhood thing, but mm-hmm. arrogance and um, self-absorption and vanity, mm-hmm. uh, those are markers that I have to watch. Those are things that I've identified that when I'm triggered by them, I need to check myself because mm-hmm. it may not be accurate mm-hmm. because of trauma, old, old conditioning, right. as you said. And it's a hard right. thing. I mean, I'm 46 years old and that goes back way back. And right. so I'm going, okay, that's like my whole, almost my whole life that I've had this conditioned trigger yeah. that potentially has probably kept me from meeting some really great people yeah. and having yeah. connections. It, and it overrides my intuition. It makes my intuition like markets like static in the signal. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And I mean, really, when you start to work with your intuition, you realize how much we actually have to undo and unlearn. Yeah. Right. And, and that's one of the things our intuition shows us is we start to wake up and become more conscious of these thoughts and feelings. Cause in the past, you know, before you kind of wake up, you just accept them, right? You're like, Oh yeah. Like this, I just don't like this person, yeah, just trick me, whatever. But then you start to wake up and you're like, okay, like this is something I need to move past. This is something that is behind me now. And the more that I stay in that frequency, the more I keep myself on this sort of vibrational level that I want to rise out of. So I think um, your intuition does really call you to those things. And, and the fact that you actually realized it, though, and came to terms with it, though, is a breakthrough. Yeah, I mean, our minds are filled with phantoms. I mean, that's just the way I've come to believe. It's like there's just shadows lurking around every corner. I mean, when you start 
really walking through that sort of frontier of the inner frontier. It's like, oh, wow. I, I mean, and it takes a lifetime. I mean, <laughs> or lifetimes, honestly. I mean, I, I, I can't say that I don't perhaps have those uh, – harbor those types of thoughts because I go, you know, there's just no way a single lifetime you're going to root out all of these things that are lurking around <laughs> and true. then, and hit that frequency that you want to hit, you know, to yeah. have a, a fully connective, uh, loving, peaceful relationship with the world in, 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 right. in fullness, you know? Right. No, I mean, it's so hard. I mean, it's, and you look at the progress that we make just over in, you know, the 30, 40, 50, 60 years of our life and how, how hard of a struggle that is just in that time really to come to the terms of um, awareness that you have sort of as you get older. When you, you look back, you think, well, if only I knew when I was younger <laughs> what I knew now, right. uh, my life would have been so much more, um, I don't know, like more aligned, I guess. You know, I th- guess it's really a- about this process of really just aligning and accepting and not resisting things that aren't, you know, connected with us. So, yeah, I mean... The evolution continues. Yeah. And well, your book's a good, I would say for anybody, I mean, any of my listeners, your book's a good jump in point. I mean, for anybody, I I read a book, like everybody has that book they read, Mm -hmm. you know, that like right after like an awakening experience Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, you know, everybody's got one. And I would, I always think that when I'm reading new books now, all these years later, I I read them and I go, oh, this would be a good jumping in point for somebody Mm -hmm. who's perhaps just had an experience like what you described earlier, like today, this could be their book where they're like, whoa, what's going on? Something's just shifted. Well, you've provided a nice way for them to walk in and go, okay, I can start right here. And wherever that branches out in the future for them, two decades, three decades, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Great, but this is a great place to start. Absolutely, and I, you know, I think it was Maya Angelou who said, "We write the books that we wish we had." Yeah, and I think it's it's a lot like that for me with both of the books I wrote. You know, these these are books that are sort of signposts and guides for when you are going through this process. Things that it, it took me years to figure out, <laughs> so want to put it all together so that people don't have to work so hard to figure it out, and then they can take their learning to the next level, even beyond the things and the places that we're at right now. Beautiful. I'm happy, I know it. Hey there, Good News listener. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I've enjoyed producing it. Now, it's time for the Fishing for Goodies segment, where I turn my interviewer role over to the Good News Fishbowl. Longtime listeners know that the Fishbowl contains over 400 unique questions, many seated by you, the listeners. Did you know that you could submit unique questions to the Fishbowl? That's right. Just call the Good News Hotline at 802-459-1668 to have your question added. You can also visit findthegood.news and send me an email. Now, let's take that dive into the fishbowl. So look, we're going to do a little something here. I do this with every guest, and we're going to actually let the universe and intuition and everything else, synchronicity guide. So this is the fishbowl. It's been a part of my show for probably at least 80 or 85 episodes. And it's got like 400 questions in here. Um, What I do is I usually draw out three questions. These are like questions that listeners have submitted over the years. Some of them I put in here originally to seed the bowl. Uh, Other guests have put questions in here. And so I'm just going to draw three and then I'll ask them. I don't know what they are. 
Oh, I love this. All right. So here we <laughs> go. All right. This All is right. intuition. Oh, this is a good question. I like this question. Okay. <laughs> what is a new job that doesn't exist today that you believe will exist in the future? Ha! That's perfect. I, I talk all about this in one of the chapters of the book. With um, Okay, so I think the job of the intuitionist is a ah, job. Ah, the intuitionist. I, the intuitionist. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm tr- you know, you, if you go out there on the internet, you'll find there's some people there. They're, they're going in there. They're trying to give it a shot. But I think this idea, and I'm and it, not talking about a psychic, right? I'm talking about someone in a role of someone to use their intuition to innovate or to be creative or to help with visionary ideas or strategic planning or all of these things that are really the purview of creativity and ingenuity and genius. I love that. You know what's interesting? I just had this weird, vague memory of, he- of maybe watching a movie or... I don't know if I heard read an article, but it seems like it's an older memory. But it was like somebody that was their job. Now, what was it called? An intuitionist, but there was this room they called like the egg or something, and it was all white. And this person, they were like, "Oh, they're so creative. We we just bring them in. We put them in this room, this white egg with like one dry erase marker, and they don't come out until they've had a breakthrough." Wow! And so this person would cool go idea. in there and come out with just. And it was like it didn't have to be connected to like anything the company was doing. They're like, we literally just want to access their creative mind. And I was like, that's really wild. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like what you're describing. It's like, oh, I'm the intuitionist. I, I access my sync, my my intuition, my creativity, the get in flow, and exactly. provide you know whatever and then you, you create need. that white space right for it all to happen and open up and flow into the world. Yeah. Love it. That's great. Okay. Let's see here. Let's see what we got. Oh, it's a little more softball question. All right. What's the best compliment you've ever received? Oh, my gosh. That might be harder. Oh, man. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I I have to think about the best compliment I ever received. Um, What's the last compliment you've received that you can recall? Oh man, like I don't know how to like how do you do that? Like I'm like I'm awesome, you know? Like is it just <laughs> right? Like it's hard right. to like say like compliments <laughs> that people say about me, right? Um, well, I mean, obviously the best compliment anyone can give me, and it, that that I have been hearing a little bit lately is that I wrote a good book. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that <laughs> so. before you said it. I was like, I bet you're getting compliments on this book right now for sure. Yeah, and I mean that's huge because I've put my heart and soul in this for the last ten years. So yeah, so that's a really big compliment for me. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I uh, and this is just a peek behind the curtain. I get a lot of books to read, you know, for the show, and so to actually sit down and physically read them all almost would be impossible. So a lot of times we're getting an advanced copy, and there's no audio version, right? And mm-hmm. so I have this app that reads to me, and I can select the voice. You know, and if it's a female author, I'll put a female's voice on there. Oh, but I haven't cool. usually met the person yet. But what's funny is the voice I selected for your book, I always try to change it for each person, mm-hmm. uh, is Irish, has an Irish oh, accent. Right. And so funny because today, all day, I was thinking, I was like, that's so funny because in my brain, I've got all the words from your book are like wired with this Irish an accent. Irish accent. Irish accent. <laughs> Well, I am Irish, so you oh, know. Okay. It's, well, it's kind of <laughs> so it was nice. I was like, I, was, I bet my my mind is gonna have a hard time reconciling this. That's like awesome. when we start talking, yeah, it's funny. 
<laughs> okay, here is your third question. Hmm. What's something that you achieved that you were surprised by? Um, well, I think really the biggest surprise of, of my achievement in my life really came from the, the work I did in technology because, really? you know, I graduated college with a degree in oil painting. That was, <laughs> no, I was an artist. I'm an oil painter. That's my original trade is I'm an oil painter and I'm an artist and that's what I wanted to do with my life. And then I realized that I needed to eat. So I got into graphic design because, you know, there's, there's a lot of creative jobs. So that felt fulfilling to me. Um, and then this whole pathway that I never saw happening in technology and really, truly, I just followed my intuition to it. You know, I just, I just, just ended up meeting people and doors started opening and I intuitively came up with ideas and projects and people started giving me money. And then I started working with even smarter people. And pretty soon people all around the world were like so interested in what I was doing with the creative industries and working in this intersection of sort of intuition and technology and innovation and art. And, um, I got elected to the Americans for the Arts Advisory Board, which to me was like one of the hugest honors being both an artist and someone who's working with the cultural transformation of cities and towns and our and our our creative economy in America. Like I never would have expected that that's something that I would have ended up doing. So it was a pretty cool path. Yeah, I mean, you've actually, you actually I mean, we're talking about your book today, but I mean, I did a little light, you know, research and I was like, wow, you have done a lot of stuff. I mean, the Create Festival, I mean, that yeah. was that's really interesting. I was like, man, I've I love the how most of the time if somebody's doing one good thing, they probably have an orbit of other good things that they've done. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you you've obviously harnessed creativity and allow you know, to blossom out of you and just sort of pop out in these orbs and spheres that yes. that make these other things. And I love that. I love I love those types of stories. I love to see that in human beings that are like you. Yeah, because we all have more than one path. And that's something that's also really important for people to remember, because we, we have these callings in life and we feel like we want to do things. And, and even if we're not going right where we think we're going the universe in life might be just taking us there a different way. So you're going to have a first act and a second act and a third act, but they can all be related to this underlying sort of process of self-expression and growth. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It makes me think of like, I love it when pictures sort of pop in my head when someone says something. And when you said that, I got the image of sort of like a pulsing, like a pulsar, you know, these lights that like pulse and like mm -hmm. it gets super white and it just keeps flickering out and, that's sort of what I got. It's like you just keep having these wonderful pulses of creativity and you're sending yeah. these things out. That's beautiful. Lightening up people, lighting up people's lives. That's great. Hopefully that's, that's the goal. <laughs> so I have one question that I ask every guest uh, at the end of the show. And this is, this is it. Uh, did right. anything, did anything good happen to you today? Well, I'm going to definitely say yes to that. I will definitely answer yes. Um, this has been great. First of all, talking to you has been really good. This has been, it's really nice having an interview with someone who asked me questions outside of the box. So oh, that's I, great I, to hear. That's great. I appreciate great. that. Yeah, this has been a unique conversation because a lot of times you get on, you're talking and, you know, you, you've, 
answer the same questions a lot, but I really love when people, you know, take the time to really think about things and, and have these unique perspectives. Um, so yeah, so today is, yeah, it's been a great day and, you know, I woke up and I'm healthy and I'm breathing and I am looking at my window at a beautiful trees and skies. And so, um, so grateful, you know, especially as you get older, you're grateful for these days that you, you have left to experience the wonder of life and existence. That's beautiful. Yeah, I totally agree. I, just before our phone call, I was, uh, I had to go outside and I was watering my plants and I, uh, I was having that feeling too today. I was just, you know, we're in that season where things aren't really growing so great, but mm-hmm. I have a few, few plants that are blooming right now and there's a beautiful blue sky. And I thought, God, I'm so lucky to just stand here and watch, just watch yep. the cycle again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It is. So let's talk about where people can get connected to you, your work and mm-hmm. your book. Awesome. Yeah. So first you can get the book anywhere, anywhere you like to buy books, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, any, anywhere online or in the real world, uh, they will have it. And uh, also on my website, kimchesney.com, which is Chesney with a T C H E S T N E Y. I also on my website have a free wake up your intuition guide, which is really great if you're just, you know, getting into this intuition stuff, right? So you can get that and start working with it. And um, so I highly encourage people to stop by and pick that up too. And um, I also have my intuition lab, which is a really fun online school where I do online courses at intuitionlab.com. So you can check that out. Yeah, I was checking that actually out yesterday. I thought that was really cool. I was like, I meant to ask you about it earlier, too. I completely yeah. forgot, but you had mentioned it. And I was like, yeah, intuition lab. What a cool thing. I mean, who would have thought? I mean, you know, like I, I can think back to 20 years ago and and that initial awakening experience. I mean, I was on like a, a almost like a starving person is like, look in every direction. Like, what is this? What's going on? And to now, now it's like, there's people like you out there and you have these resources. It's like, Oh, you know, the internet didn't even exist. I don't think. That's right. You're, you're saying the same thing I said, like, isn't the internet a wonderful thing? Because when we had our awakening experiences 20 years ago, there was nowhere to go. There's nobody to talk to. You know, you're just like, what just happened to me? To be honest, I mean, I actually remember saying this, like, I think I lost my mind. That's what I told somebody. I said, something said, I might, I think I might've, like went a little crazy that was something right. i actually heard myself saying i'd go to walden books i don't know if you remember walden books yeah, yeah. and i would go to walden books and just peruse the the aisles i mean i know i had to spend 800 bucks there on books trying to figure yep. out you know some all path. Had books that's yeah. it it was all books but i love what you said about losing your mind you said you lost your mind and i always would say it too i feel like i'm losing my mind but think about <laughs> what you're really saying yeah, you are losing your mind. That's good. That We want to lose our minds a little bit because our minds have been controlling us. So we have those epiphanies and those yeah. breakthroughs, right? When when our mind gets just put aside just for however long, right? Yeah. Then our intuition is there. So you went into that intuitive space and you lost your mind for a little bit, right? Not all the way. We don't want to all the way lose our minds, but it's okay right. to lose our minds a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the conditioning. That's what it was. That yeah. feeling was like a, a gelatinous sort of fatty layer, I feel like, that was over my brain. And I was, I could hear... I'm gonna call it spirit. I could hear spirit like warbled, but then it's like melted away and it was like, holy cow, there's this whole level to life that I just didn't even, I was, haven't been living, you know? Exactly. And then Uh, now you know it and and then you just live the rest of your life knowing, okay, like I'm I'm not crazy. (laughs) It's a, it's a real thing. And I just have this sort of experience that I just have to bring with me to guide me. Yeah. 
God, Kim, thanks so much for spending time with me today. This has been absolutely wonderful. I've enjoyed this Im- immensely. Me too. It's a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. I'm more thankful every moment that I found. Thanks for listening to my Beacon Series conversation with Kim Chesney. If you'd like to experience Kim's book, Radical Intuition, make sure to visit the links in the show notes. If you found something of use in this conversation, consider visiting findthegood.news donate, where you can help me continue this good news mission from the Louisiana Gulf Coast. I thank you for pressing play and for syncing up with this good news beacon. <laughs>